Welcome to the Skeptic's Guide to Investing with Steve Davenport and Clem Miller. Every two weeks, Steve and Clem bring you brief investment insights you may not find anywhere else. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Here are Steve and Clem. Hello and welcome to Skeptic's Guide to Investing. This is Steve Davenport, and I'm here with Clem Miller. And in this episode, we're going to talk about meta platforms or uh, one of the so-called Magnificent Seven. Meta recently reached one trillion, that's trillion with a T, market cap. Clem and I think 99% of our audience knows what meta does. But for those 1% who don't, can you briefly describe the business, Clem? Sure. So Meta is a social media and communications uh, company. Uh, It has three major products, which many of you uh, know about. Facebook, that was their initial product, Instagram, and WhatsApp. So those are their three major product lines. So how do they make money, Clem? So they make money off advertising. It's uh, it's really that simple. Uh, I recall in a famous conversation, uh, 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 Mark Zuckerberg, the leader of Meta, was in front of uh, was testifying to uh, the U.S. Senate, and Senator Orrin Hatch uh, asked a very he was confused, let's say, about what Meta does, and so he asked a question. Well, well, uh, Mr. Zuckerberg. Uh, how does uh, how does Meta make money? And uh, Mark Zucker- Zuckerberg tried to, you know, without laughing too much, said, well, sir, uh, we advertise. <laughs> we sell advertising. Yeah, well, I thought that was I, that was funny when uh, when he said that. Yeah, well, there's also um, advertising that it does for political candidates and how it helps those political candidates can sometimes be what the. Uh, what was implied in that question is it is it a club oh i would uh i would certainly say so and um you know there's a lot of concern i'm not, I'm not defending congressmen asking stupid questions believe me <laughs> <laughs> um you know there's a lot of concern in uh political circles uh about uh about how social media whether it's x formerly twitter or Facebook, or you know, any uh, TikTok more recently, um, how, to the degree to which these uh, companies, these social media companies, are able to influence uh, political elections and not just you know what somebody wears, right? Uh, so I would, um, you know, I think that there is some concern. These are legitimate concerns, and have led, uh, in the case of the EU. To actual uh, legislation to to try to uh, rein in some of the excesses of um, of uh, of these companies, and and so far at least, uh, you know, there's been some cooperation uh, from the social media companies uh, with the EU, but that's it's early days, and there's an interesting question that arises from that, which is how does a company like Meta um, adhere to uh, some of these anti-disinformation laws coming out of Europe uh, without at the same time violating uh, the First Amendment. And it could be 
like in so many other things, uh, that EU uh, legislation uh, actually drives global behavior. And so you might actually have uh, Meta sort of changing some of its policies uh, uh, in the U.S. in terms of you know, allowing uh, their platform to be misused. So growing revenue at a fast rate is always a challenge for companies, especially when they get so large, right? And they have huge revenues. Do you think Meta will have a good 2024 revenue-wise now that it's an election year? Uh, well, uh, you stole the thunder from me, Steve. Uh, I was going to mention uh, that uh, that you know they're going to do very well this election year. Uh, and not only that, but you've got the Olympics this year as well. Uh, and so that's going to be helpful for advertising. Um, if you look at what the expectations are among analysts, uh, they're actually for they're for about nine to ten percent uh, revenue growth for wow. for twenty twenty four, which is which is pretty strong when you consider how big uh, Meta is already. Um, but also that's actually down uh, that that not, that nine to ten percent is actually down. Uh, from the 17% uh, annualized, tra- trailing annualized over the last three years and 20% uh, trailing annualized over the last five years. So the revenue growth is continuing at a nice pace, uh, but uh, you know is indeed decelerating. Well, I think at the size it's at, I mean, I don't know how you know, advertising revenues and, you know, does, does it vary much based on the continent or the, you know, the size of the economy, or are they finding that they can make more money in advertising in areas that might not have as good a media? Well, I think one of the things that they're they're doing now um, to try to leverage their activity is, uh, as so many other companies are doing, is using generative uh, artificial intelligence, and so they're starting to use that. Uh, in terms of their um, advertising targeting. Nice. I think many of us have heard of Mark Zuckerberg's enthusiasm regarding creating virtual reality devices, VR. Zuck called this the metaverse. He even named the company from Facebook to Meta to reflect his new emphasis. The so-called metaverse spawned a thousand thematic investment commentaries. However, by late 2022, Zuck has dialed back his enthusiasm. You could barely hear a peep about the metaverse. Why did Zuck shift course so quickly? Uh, It had to do with investors uh, not believing in the metaverse. Uh, So what, uh, what Meta did, what Zuckerberg did, is he pumped billions of dollars uh, into the reality labs division, Meta's reality labs division. Uh, and as it became clear that it wouldn't generate any real commercialized products anytime soon, he would then start talking about how it could be three years, five years, 10 years before any real commercialization happened. That kind of freaked out investors uh, who want an earlier return on larger investments. And so they investors penalized uh, Meta uh, for that. The stock price basically collaped in 2023. I mean, sorry, 2022. The stock market collapsed uh, given this uh, this emphasis on 
Meta. I think many investors actually thought Meta was kind of a Zuckerberg uh, vanity project, kind of like what you see with uh, uh, with Elon um, Elon Musk and uh, his various uh, endeavors. Uh, so, and so they, um, you know, they 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 penalized uh, uh, they penalized uh, Zuckerberg and, and Meta. However, over the last okay, so that's changed around in 2023, um, and basically Meta embarked on its so-called year of efficiency. So lots of workers were laid off in 2023, uh, and actually that's. That's helped Meta. The fact that they uh, they decided to shift course and uh, become more efficient over the last month uh, through uh, over the last twelve months through January thirtieth, uh, Meta's share price has increased by hundred and seventy two percent. Yeah, you heard that right, hundred and seventy two percent. So that's investors looking at these efficiency initiatives and thinking, "Wow, on the basis." On the back of this strong revenue growth and uh, and earnings uh, and and operating efficiency improvements, uh, we expect uh, Meta to do really great over the next few years. So, I'm I'm not going to pick apart you know what Zuckerberg says because he's a lot smarter than I am because he has a lot more money, but efficiency. Couldn't he have his workers do things differently or work in other areas? Is laying people off um, the solution for everybody who wants to have an operation that's more efficient, Glenn? Sometimes that seems to me to be the easy choice versus the hard choice of actually focusing on the effort in the right areas. I, I think you're right. I think that uh, I think that we're dealing here with Silicon Valley. And Silicon Valley has, I think, a different uh, ethic uh, when it comes to employment. Uh, companies, uh, there are more layoffs. There's more uh, what we'll call, um, there's a, a famous economist named Schumpeter who talked about creative destruction. I think that's a great way of talking about Silicon Valley. You have companies that lay off people. You have companies uh, that go out of business. Uh, but the individuals who are involved, who have great, you know, engineering sk skills, scientific skills, they're picked up by other companies. So, you know, it's well, a question of creative destruction. So you think that Zuckerberg is trying to release that talent to other people to help the industry overall? No, I don't think they're trying to help other industries. I think what they're doing is they're saying in order to, to um, satisfy shareholders, which include me, by the way, uh, okay. who needs to be satisfied. Um, in order to satisfy shareholders, uh, what he's doing is he's creating a leaner, meaner company uh, in order to uh, in order to do that. In order to boost up his share price, is, all is companies shareholder price the only thing that we need to focus on, Clem, or other stakeholders like the community and the environment and some other things that need to get some attention from corporations well now we're getting into the whole esg area we've done a podcast on that and i'm sure we'll do future podcasts on that you know what are we talking i mean is it is it shareholders who are the key audience or is it stakeholders beyond shareholders uh who are the key audience 
I, I'm just yeah. saying, I, I like them to make keep you happy, Clem, because that's. <laughs> but I also just wonder sometimes whether you know reacting by laying off people because that's what analysts recommend. <clears throat> it, it seems to me that might not always be the quid pro quo that yeah. you want to engage well, in. Well, you know, one of the things that I I wanted to talk about was uh, was the glass door rating uh, for Meta. And, you know, Meta has a 3.9 Glassdoor rating. Some of the other tech companies in Silicon Valley and beyond have ratings of, you know, 4.0, 4.2, 4.3. So clearly uh, Meta's uh, Glassdoor rating, which measures employee satisfaction, have been diminished uh, by these layoffs. And so, you know, one can take that into effect and say, well, you know, as a quality proxy and say, well, you know, there is some dissatisfaction with this process. But, you know, overall, uh, what publicly traded companies try to do is they try to satisfy their shareholders. No, I'm saying that you you need to satisfy shareholders. It's where, you know, I'm just asking whether it's, uh, you know, there might be some question as to whether sometimes Zuckerberg you know, he likes to engage in these things until there's a point at which he gets some feedback that affects his share price that that, that that's what motivates him. So I'm yeah. I'm fully aware. Uh, what do you think I, about the profitability and free cash flow for these um, looking so, ahead for Meta? So, yeah, um, you, this is a really strong company profitability wise. So net interest margin, that's the net profit divided by revenues, is 23%. And free cash flow uh, is also 23%. So free cash flow is the amount of cash uh, generated by a company that's available for acquisitions, that's available for buying back shares, and is available for dividends. Now, Meta does not pay dividends yet, but it does buy back a lot of its own stock. And when a company buys back stock, each, you know, each remaining share of stock is worth more. And so, you know, that's a great, you know, well, another great there's, way. Of- there's also issuance to management, right? So it's really yeah. the net of issuance to management minus buyback that's Correct. going to change the total. So I know that they're trying to help the but there's a there's an employee aspect to this too, right? And management aspect, right? It's more of a net buyback as opposed to a gross buyback, right? Um, so Meta is being challenging TikTok and Google's YouTube Shorts with its Reels product. It's also challenging Musk, Elon Musk's X with its Threads product. Given Metaverse experience, do you think it's a bit of a reach to make any conclusion? about reels or threads or is it clear that that was a good move well it's i'd say it's definitely too early uh it's not it's not a a gimmick um i call it a gimmick uh like the metaverse uh because you already have products out there that are selling uh namely x and uh and youtube shorts and uh and uh tiktok uh but those are back to the skeptical panel yeah but those are very well established uh, products, uh, TikTok, YouTube Shorts, and 
and uh, X, you know, the Twitter product. Uh, so it's going to be hard for Zuck uh, to be able to uh, to be able to penetrate those markets and do well. So yeah, I am skeptical about the ability of of Meta to break into those established markets. The one complaint about the tech stocks tends to be that they are expensive. How does Meta look on valuation? Um, pretty good. Um, yeah, I would. They on a forward price to earnings ratio, they're at twenty eight percent. Which twenty eight uh, times. Yeah, twenty eight times. Sorry, yeah, twenty eight times uh, forward PE. So I, you know, that's not expensive as far as a tech related company is concerned. And no, twenty three percent. Yeah, profit. I mean, when, using the peg ratio, that's pretty. Yeah, I was going to say the peg ratio is only 1.4 times on a forward basis. And so that's actually pretty, uh, that indicates that it's pretty cheap too, but that's because you've got expected rapid growth still. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's not that expensive. So I know you look at short seller interest when you're thinking about these names. How does uh, Meta do on this um, short seller interest? So pretty good. Uh, it has a short sell, short interest ratio of one point two two percent, and uh, basically what this means is that short sellers uh, who expect a stock to go down really haven't shown uh, much interest in, uh, you know, in looking at uh, Meta as a stock that they might want to attack. You know, some of the stocks that are out there that they might want to attack have short interest ratios of 5%, 7%, 10%. You know, when you remember what happened with those banks uh, on the West Coast um, last year, they they had short seller ratios before the crises of like 10%, 15%, 20%, just crazy. So 1.22% is, uh, is pretty attractive, yeah. Uh, so we have a question in the mailbag. And we've kind of talked about it here, but um, do either or both of you invest in Meta? Um, can you tell us what portion of your portfolio you hold in the stock? Um, I'll go first and say that we do hold Meta in our growth portfolio. Um, the growth portfolio is benchmarked against the S&P growth, and that has a large percentage in technology. So <clears throat> our core portfolio, which has a, a smaller percentage in technology, we've sold uh, Facebook or Meta, but we've kept it in our growth portfolio because that has a higher percentage. So when you think about if I have to only pick 12 names and they're each 2% or 2.5%, um, you know, it doesn't make the cut in the top 12. But if I pick 16, 17 for the growth portfolio, it does make the cut. So I would say that we are somewhat positive but we also have some questions about whether regulation and other items could start to be a challenge as Congress starts to imitate Europe and start to be concerned about some of the privacy and other issues with the stock. What about you, Clem? I have about 2.5% right now in meta of my portfolio. Uh, I have larger proportions in Microsoft uh, and in uh, and in Alphabet, which is Google. Uh, I have uh, I have nothing. I sold off my Apple position recently, uh, just by comparison, uh, and uh, I have never owned Tesla. 
um, because I, you know, have issues, uh, which we talked about in a prior podcast. Um, so yeah, I've got a position I'm overall, uh, despite some of the, the issues that we've talked about on the regulatory front, I do see, uh, meta as being able to handle those, uh, those issues. Uh, so I do have that, uh, that significant, uh, position there. Um, but you know, I've got, you know, this is my portfolio. I've got a lot of positions in it, not just a growth portfolio. I've got a lot of what you would call value stocks in here. And, um, you know, in a sense, um, you know, 28%, um, forward PE 1.4% forward peg, not necessarily, um, uh, not necessarily purely a growth stock as, uh, as some other stocks might be. Sure. Well, uh, I think that's a great analysis, Clem, and I appreciate all your insights. Um, thank you to all our listeners for checking in with us. And if you enjoyed this podcast or any of our other podcasts, please like, share, and subscribe. Thanks a lot, and look forward to talking to you again. Thanks, Steve. The views shared on this podcast represent the personal investment views of the hosts. They are for educational purposes and not meant to be taken as investment advice. Listeners should consult their own investment, legal, and tax advisors. Past performance of any investments is not a guarantee for future return. 